and uh, Pastor Ephraim started an amazing... Okay, before I go there, I just want to um, honor Pastor Hilma in this congregation. You guys have a gift to the body in this lady. I cannot emphasize it enough. <laughs> the Lord has blessed us with her. And I also want to honor Pastor Ephraim, our theologian, our resident theologian, <laughs> and the people's pastor. I really want to commend you guys for the work that you are doing among the people. It's really awesome. Amen. And uh, I want to encourage you, besides uh, applause, uh, give them something. <laughs> give them something. You know, when you're at the shop and you think of something and you see a nice dress, you think of Pastor Yoma, buy that thing. Amen. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay. Uh, give us our slides there. So, so the first week, uh, Pastor Ephraim painted a background concerning Ruth. Now, it's so important that we realize that the book of Ruth is it's written by the prophet Samuel. So uh, most, most people, go back, go back. Most, most people are unsure concerning that, but this is the, the dominant view. It was written by the, the prophet Samuel. And uh, we realized the background of Ruth. Ruth comes from an ethnicity called the Moabites. Yeah? And the Moabites, they hail or their lineage comes from Lot. You remember Lot? So Lot was uh, Abraham's nephew. Then they were fighting over the pastures, and they decided we are too rich now, so let's part ways, and I go here where it's dry, and Lot decided, no, I'm going to go here where it's very, very, very green. And he ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Long story short, the angels came in, and uh, judgment was coming there. God was talking to Abraham about getting Lot out. Eventually, Lot escaped out eh, when the fire was coming down. You remember that story? Some of you are like, is that in the Bible? <laughs> and when the angels came to visit Lot and his family to tell them, we are bringing you out, the Sodom and Gomorrahites were there. Bring out those men, we want to sleep with them. Drama. So then, <laughs> they, they flee out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the wife of Lot looks back, remember, she looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. And the angel told them, don't look back. Look forward where God is taking you to another place. So the mom is out of the picture. She's a pillar of salt. And, and Lot then takes refuge in a cave with his two daughters. And then after a couple of, uh, some time in that cave, they realize that um, there's no men around here. We are not going to be able to marry and have children. So what shall we do? And right in that cave, they decide to intoxicate their father. Meaning, they gave him strong drink, alcoholic beverage. And uh, when he was drunk, they had intercourse with him. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Some of you, some of you are saying... Those details, pastor, those details shouldn't come on a Sunday morning. It's in the Bible. If you are telling your child, read your Bible, they will find those things there. Um, so they decide to, to, to sleep with their father so that they can become pregnant. 
the eldest one gave birth to, to Moab. And then there was a curse upon them. And, and the scriptures, uh, Pastor Ephraim painted a wonderful picture about that. How they were then cursed and excluded as a people. So Ruth is part of this background. In a lineage that is cursed completely. And so then she marries the son of Naomi. Naomi and Elimelech, they are Jewish, they are Israelites, and they moved to Moab because there was a famine. Okay, we already did all of this. I can't go through it again, but it's so, so interesting. All right, so we, we, went, we went to chapter 2, and the second week, um, Juliet, she spoke about returning back to God. And she spoke about the importance of being with God. And uh, we saw how Ruth made that commitment to her mother-in-law to say that my God will be your God, or your God will be my God. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. And, and she was actually doing something very significant and legally. In terms of Jewish law, she was doing something very legal. Okay, so before we move on, we have to read through the rest of the book of Ruth this morning. Amen. Are you okay with coming to church and reading the Bible? <laughs> Some of you didn't answer. So, Ellie, can you, can you give us there an easy version where we are going to read there from chapter 2? I'll try not to stop us too much, but we have to run through the scripture. That's why we're here, and then we'll go into the other passages. Are you there? If you've got your Bible, you can also go there. There's one thing that I realize is Christians don't read their Bible. Ellie? Are we there? Okay, which version is this? Give us like a NIV or something, it's easier to read. Thine and thou. Let's skip that one. I hear excitement, some people are like, oh, it's been a long time since I've <laughs> read my Bible. It's good. Got to start somewhere. <laughs> okay. Um, and Naomi had a kinsman, meaning a relative of her husband's, and a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech. Elimelech was her husband. And his name was Boaz. Give us the ne next verse. And Ruth the Moabites said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace or favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Next verse. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of the family of Elimelech. Keep going. And behold... Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Next verse. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? 
<laughs> we need that other version. A damsel, <laughs> a damsel is a, a lady. And the servant <laughs> that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Next verse. And she said, I pray you, I ask you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued even after the morning until now that she tarried or waited a little in the house. Okay, so according to Jewish law, when you are a farmer and you have a lot of fields, there's a portion that you must actually leave so that the foreigners and the poor can come and begin to pick up the things that were left behind. All right? This is God making sure that Israel is taking care of the poor and the foreigner in their midst. Okay? Uh, give us the next slide. Then, Boaz said, uh, uh, then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hear you, not my daughter. Is there another version? <laughs> is it not working? Okay, so you just follow that version. I'll go to something more modern. Okay, we're at verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink that the, what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Now let me just pause there. So she is asking, Why are you being kind to me? It is not a, a, a social request or a question based on um, why, why are you being nice to me. It's because he is legally not supposed to be nice to her because she is a foreigner. Do you understand? And his reply points to that because then he says, the reason why I'm being nice to you is because everyone has heard what you have said to your mother-in-law and what you have done for her. What did she say to her mother-in-law? Yes, yes. So we can't go into all the study, but what happens is if you are going to become part of the people of Israel, there is going to be certain covenant pronouncements that you will make. Do you understand? So what he's saying is that you have actually become a part of our people. That's why you have found favor. Do you understand? And this is important. Keep watch. This is important as we go into the typologies. Okay, where are we? Verse 12, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. Do you see here? Bread and? Make a note. She sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left 
over. When she rose to glean, glean means to, to reap. Yeah. Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. Not just there where the leftovers were. Here, even among the sheaves. And do not reproach or rebuke or push her back. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Do you see what he's doing? So he's saying, don't only leave behind the portion that the law requires us to leave. Leave behind some extras for this lady. <laughs> Someone like that. Oh, I like that. Huh? Men must be like this. <laughs> Okay, verse 17, we don't have time. <laughs> so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. I want to look what is ephah. Ephah is about 22 liters of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said, The man is a close relative of ours. One of our redeemers. Are you at that verse? Verse 20. He's one of our redeemers. Okay, let's quickly stop there. What does it mean to redeem? Accountants? Accountants? What does it mean to redeem? To buy back. Eh? To buy back. So a redemption is where you go and pick up or you buy back the thing that you owe. Okay? So he is one of our redeemers. We'll get to the part that explains what is this? It's another principle that comes from the Jewish law, from the law of Moses. Yeah, we'll get there. Let's just get through the scripture. Okay, verse 21. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young woman, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. As a principle coming forth here, staying close to people. Staying close to the people of the kinsman redeemer. Staying close to the people that Boaz has directed into your life. Okay? Now we go to chapter 3. Ruth and Boaz at the threshing floor. Is everyone clear? Are we together? What's happening in the story? So she goes to glean, and then when, when she's there, she gets noticed by Boaz. Boaz says, let's make something special for this lady, plus give her protection and some extras. She comes back to her mother, and her mother asks her, where did you get all this? And she says, no, it was Boaz. And then she says, no, but Boaz is also our kinsman redeemer. 
Now we go into the third verse, into the third chapter. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young woman you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your clothes. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to have this kind of woman in your life. Huh? Somebody who pre- Okay. <laughs> Put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. And do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet. And lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replies, all that you say, I will do. And she doesn't just say it, because in the next verses you see her doing it. Verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor, and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. This is quite interesting for those of you who have issues with your mother-in-law. The Lord can make a beautiful thing in that situation. I'm telling you, it's the joke of marriage. You know, everyone makes a lot of jokes about mother-in-law, you know, the in-laws. In the kingdom, it's different. And when Boaz, verse 7, and when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled. And turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? (laughs) And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Do you see the pursuit of the redeemed for the redeemer? It's not just let him come to my house and find me there and save me there. Okay? Verse 10, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. You've come to the Redeemer, you didn't go after other things. And now, my daughter, do not fear, I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know. That you are a worthy woman. This is in spite of them knowing her background. But it is typical of some of the Jewish men in terms of marrying outside. But anyway, that's not the point where we are going. Okay. Where are we? Verse 12. And now, it is true that I am a redeemer, says Boaz. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Meaning, the kinsman redeemer position is the relative that is supposed to protect and redeem the family. Okay, we'll go through the qualifications. But he's saying here that there is someone who is more related to you. They have first, first uh, precedent preference when it comes to being a redeemer. Okay, so she came to lie by, by his feet. And he's like, oh, what's happening? Who are you? And then he explains to her that, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined, I'm willing, but there's actually somebody else. Okay? 
Then he says, verse 13, Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will, that other one, will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Verse 14, so she lay at his feet until the morning. Just by the way, this is not a message on uh, how to get a guy. <laughs> Let me just say that now. But some people are like, praise God. <laughs> this, is the, this is what I needed to know. <laughs> Only get from the scripture what the scripture is saying. Because that devil knows how to bring out other things. And quote the verses. Okay, verse 14. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Okay? And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out and he measured out six measures of barley. This is six, uh, is it, hmm? ephas, eh? Six ephas of barley and put it on her. I, I calculated this. This is about 126, eh? 126 liters of barley, but it's grain, so it's probably light. Some of you are like, what kind of burden is this man sending? <laughs> okay, then... She went into the city. Verse 16. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? This is now the mom asking the feedback. Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter. Until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. <laughs> okay, we are in the last chapter now. So, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. So, Boaz now wakes up the next morning. On his mind is the fact that he needs to redeem this woman, right? And we're going to how it's done. He needs to redeem this woman. They have that initial encounter there at the threshing floor. And then he's like, no, I must first arrange the things. It needs to be done right. So he now goes to the gate where the elders sit, where the negotiations are done. Okay? So verse 1, chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. Why is she selling the land? Land is a very important thing for, for the Israelites, yeah? Why? Because it denotes the promise, né? You come out of Egypt, you come into the promise, land. So if you are selling land, you are going to become landless. We know all about landlessness, okay? 
So when someone in Israel is selling land, it means they are at the last stretch. Okay? They are at the last stretch. So I thought, this is verse 4, so I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence. So he's speaking to the, the other redeemer, and he's saying, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it, meaning buy it back. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. This is the other redeemer. The other redeemer said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his, inter- in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. I wonder if it had anything to do with the way that Boaz put it. You'll also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the dead. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Okay, verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal (laughs) and gave it to the other. And this was the, ma- the manner of attesting or swearing in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have brought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Shilon, the husband of Orpah, and Malon, the ex-husband of Ruth. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, yes, I have bought to be my wife. To perpetuate the name, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrata and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Tamar is another lady that has a very hectic background. She tricked her husband's father and then kept the stuff and she got, a, she got a goat and all of that. And then the guy was like, no, leave me alone. I just got a prostitute on the road. And he said, no, I'm not a prostitute. Here is your stuff. Here is your stick. Tamar. Okay? But these people are coming into the bloodline of Jesus. Wow. Because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Verse 13, which is concluding. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her meaning they had relations. And the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life 
and a nourisher of your old age, for, in, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, who becomes the father of, yeah, by inheritance. Some of you are like, no, Joseph. (laughs) Okay, remember how they called Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Okay. So the the great-grandmother of David is one of these women that is not supposed to be in the congregation. Verse 18, now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Aminadab, Aminadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. Amen? That's how you read your Bible. Some excitement. Okay, give us the, 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 the next the, the slides now. Now I'm quickly going to talk about the importance of reading the Old Testament with Jesus in mind. Tell the person next to you, read the Old Testament with Jesus in mind. Otherwise you will become a Jew. And you don't qualify. <laughs> okay. So, next slide. Look here. Luke 24, verse 27. This is Jesus. After he had resurrected from the dead, there were two men, two disciples, walking on the road to Emmaus, a mouse. And they were talking about Jesus. And Jesus appeared and started walking with them. And then he asked them, why are you guys so down?" downtrodden, why are you so distraught? And they said, haven't you heard what happened in Israel? The Messiah or the Jesus that was here, he was crucified and all of that. And, and then he listened, he listened, and then afterwards, they were about to part ways, but it was getting dark, and so then they invited Jesus to, to, to have dinner with them. And so, Jesus began then, while they were at dinner, then beginning with Moses, and throughout all the writings of the prophets, He explained and interpreted for them the things referring to himself found in the scriptures. How many of you have read the name of Jesus in the Old Testament? Where? There's no name of Jesus. If you are reading in the Old Testament, you will not find the name of Jesus there. Yeah? But he is there. And this is what Jesus was doing. He was showing them that the law and the prophets were all talking about him. Give us the next scripture there. John 5 verse 39 to 40. Jesus is debating again with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they are always accusing him of being demon possessed, not being good enough or So these teachers of the law representing Moses and the religious leaders disqualified Jesus to be the Messiah. 
And then Jesus speaks to them and he says, you study the scriptures diligently. These are the scriptures of the law and the prophets because that time there was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Corinthians and all of that. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Give us the next slide there. The whole of the Bible centers on the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are a believer, your life centers around the life of Jesus Christ. So much so that the Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives through me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Amen? Give us there the next slide. Okay, so this is a term... I don't know if Pastor Ephraim is called, uh, this is a theological term called biblical typology. And the principle is that the New Testament is hidden in the old and the old is made manifest in the new. This is what St. Augustine said. Elisha's fathers, there you go. (laughs) So, it is important that you realize there are certain types and shadows. Types and shadows would, let's say, to use today's language, it would be pictures of the real thing. That are coming forth in the Old Testament. Amen? How many of you have ever been in a long distance relationship? Doesn't have to be romantic. Most of us. The person is in England, right? And you are here. Or the person is in Ethiopia and you are here. Or they're in Cuba and you are here, right? The way that you relate to, him when, to them when they are not around, what do you use? Yeah, no, I mean, let's go a little bit back. I mean, <laughs> Skype now is a cheat. You use pictures. Eh? So you use pictures to remind you of the person. So when they are not around and you miss them, you look at that picture and you say, ah. <laughs> Beautiful. And then, while the, while the person is gone, it makes sense. It's okay to have that kind of attitude because the person is not around. I miss them. Here's the picture. But when they arrive at Ozea Kutako and you go there to, to go and meet with them, your relation now with the picture becomes, yeah, it becomes irrelevant. Why? Because something better than the picture is here. This is what the Pharisees were doing. They were holding on to the picture. The, the types and the shadows and the examples of the law and the prophets. And when the real person came, they were like, hello. <laughs> Imagine you are a lady. You think this guy is cheating on me. <laughs> right? Because, because there is some kind of ludicrous notion to relating to somebody through the types and the shadows when you have them in your very presence. And many of the things that the prophets were singing and saying were because they had a picture. Those things will not be appropriate for us to say and sing anymore because we have the reality. We, we will not sing songs of when will he come to me again, and then we will be to... No, he came. We will not say, open up the heavens and come down, rend the heavens, tear open the heavens and come down and save your people. 
That's what David wrote. Then what did Jesus do? He opened up the heavens and he came down. And then what did the Jewish people do? He came to his own. And his own did not receive him. But to everyone who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Not born of blood, but of the... John. Okay, so we're going to look at the types that are coming out from the, from the book of Ruth. We have to rush. So Ruth is a type of the church. Why do we say that? The church is made out of Gentiles. Amen? Gentiles mean non-Jews. How many Jewish people are here just for interest sake? <laughs> so, the, the, the Gentiles are a cursed people. And we'll go through the scripture that says that, that without Christ, we were in a situation. And Ruth is a, is a, is a picture of the church. In the state that she was before she became the church, and then how she marries Boaz. Okay, give us the next slide there. This is Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 13. It says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, that's all of us, except Paseoma, and called the uncircumcised, because if you are circumcised, then it was one of the ways to become Jewish, right? Remember, don't worry if you are circumcised here, you are not Jewish. Remember <laughs> that at the time you were separate from Christ. Do you see? Ruth separated from the people of God. The church, the unbeliever, separate from Christ. Eh? Excluded from citizenship in Israel. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Ephesian believers. Like us. Saying that we were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Do you see? So as we are re reading the book of, of Ruth, it's speaking to us about Christ and our relationship with Christ. And you see all the goodness of the kinsman redeemer flowing towards Ruth. It's the same goodness that is coming from our redeemer towards us. Do you understand? Okay. Give us the next slide there. So according to Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, this might be small. Ruth chose the God of Israel. Remember? Your God will be my God. Your people, my people. She chose it. Just like when you have to come to Christ. It's not automatic. You have to come to Christ. You have to choose Jesus. And you have to choose to become a believer. You have to choose to become a Christian. You have to receive Christ. Amen? Ruth 2, uh, verse 6. She was introduced to Boaz by an unnamed servant. The Bible says no one comes unto the Father except the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws him. Okay? She drank from waters drawn by the servant, rivers of living water from the Spirit. We'll circulate this slide to the connect groups. For those of you who are in connect, you'll be able to go into this. And then she found favor with Boaz. And she was a foreigner. And we were brought near by Christ 
And formerly, we were strangers to citizenship in Israel and to all the blessings and covenants that were had from God. Amen? She left her father and her mother. Yeah? And the, the gospel says, He who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy. So we also have to de- almost disassociate ourselves when it comes to God. It doesn't matter who your parents are. My dad was a pastor. My dad was a deacon. doesn't mean you are saved because you were born in a Christian family. The same way that if you were born in a garage doesn't mean you are an AMG. Okay? Right. AMG is a Mercedes-Benz, a fast one. <laughs> okay, so she sought refuge under the wings of God. And then Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all who are weary and are heaven laden, and I will give you rest. Okay? She received bread and wine from Boaz. And we received the communion from Jesus. Hallelujah. She was satisfied and had some left over. And in John it says, I came that they might have life and might have it. In abundance. Do you see? Give us there the, uh, two slides forward. The Jewish term for the Redeemer is called Goel. Tell the person next to you, Goel. If you have a Goel, it will go well with you. Okay? So the Goel is the term given to this kinsman Redeemer. This family protector. Okay? And it's a Hebrew term which comes from the word Lig or, which means to redeem. Hence meaning Redeemer, which is in the Hebrew Bible and the rabbinical tradition or the tradition of the rabbis denotes a person who is at the nearest relative of another and is charged with the duty of restoring the rights of another or avenging the wrongs. Do you see? Restoring the rights to you and avenging your wrongs. Tell the person next to you, I have a Redeemer. I have a Goel. I have an Avenger. I have a Restorer. Let's go to the next slide. Leviticus 25 verse 47. This is in the law of Moses. If a stranger or a traveler or sojourner with you becomes rich and your brother besides him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or the foreigner or the traveler with you, or to the member of the stranger's clan. Then after he is sold, he may be redeemed. One of his brothers may redeem him. Or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him. Or a close relative from his clan may redeem him. Or if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. So some of you are thinking, what's the issue here? Of course, you know, someone, if they give the right price to redeem somebody, the owner will be fine. Some owners like their slave a lot. I mean, my my fields and my house are prosperous because of the slave. And the devil, that stranger, was able to steal the whole world. And the whole world was brought under slavery to the enemy. Amen? The Bible calls him the God of this world, the prince of this world. Yeah? Even when he met Jesus... Tempting him, he said, all these kingdoms that I have, I will give to you. And so, the enemy will not let go. He will not let go. The Redeemer has to come, pay the price, and enforce legal rights. 
to set the slaves free. Amen? And for those of you who are born again, that's what happened. Go to the next slide. So the Goel in Deuteronomy, it speaks about how he will redeem the lineage. Meaning that if there's someone who, whose um, husband died and they didn't have children, then the next of kin will marry that person so that the lineage can continue. Alright? That's how he redeems the lineage. And you can go read in those scriptures as to how and why. This is part of the Jewish law. Remember type and shadow. Because some of the polygamists in the congregation are thinking, my, my, my. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> in the beginning it was not so. He created the men and female. Go well. The blood avenger. In Numbers it speaks about how if someone kills you, your redeemer, your kinsman redeemer, your family redeemer, or if someone hurts you, your family redeemer must immediately do something about it. Amen? Jesus was the original avenger. Okay, give us the next slide. Avenger is this action movie. <laughs> give us the next slide. So this is a little bit of the lineage. So Terah, Terah is the father of Abraham. By the way, Terah worships idols. So God, when God calls Abraham, he's calling an idol worshiper. For those of you who believe that, oh, no, I have to be perfect and right before God can call me. Abraham was perfectly an idol worshiper. Then he has Isaac and Jacob and Ephraim, and out of Ephraim comes Elimelech. And Boaz is related to Elimelech. I'll explain just now how they are related. Haran is the father of Lot. So, yeah, father of Lot. Father of Lot, and Lot is the father, yeah, or the ancestor, yeah, the father of Moab. My goodness. And then Moab is the father of Ruth. Now, together, Boaz and Ruth have Obed, Jesse, David, and Jesus. Give us the next slide. Now, this question, answer this for me. Because the drama gets even more intense now. Who is the mother of Boaz? Go back to the previous slide. The father of Boaz, mm -mm, it's Salmon. Yes. There they are just showing the relation. Okay? Who is the mother of Boaz? Hey, hey. Go to the next slide, Ellie. These people are shouting out the answer. Don't have to show off that you read your Bible. <laughs> Rahab. So picture this. You want to marry the girl that is from that other tribe that is out of the picture because the, 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 the daughters and the dead did something despicable. That's the girl you want to marry. And then on top of it all, your mother used to be a prostitute. Both of them coming into the lineage of Jesus. I thought it was supposed to be a pure and spotless lineage. But consider Tamar, Perseba. For those of you who don't know Perseba, King David, on the time that the kings went to war, he stayed behind. He was tired. <laughs> Those of you, you say, I'm tired. I'm not going to be involved. I'm tired. He was tired. He stayed on, on the roof of his house. And then while he was tired, 
He saw a young lady down there, <laughs> bathing down there. And then he was so tired that he instructed the servants, go get her. Go get her. When she came, they did the things. Like the Bible says, he went into her. And then, everything was going to be fine. She sent word, I'm pregnant. Hi, yeah, yeah. I'm pregnant. The problem was that she's married to one of David's mighty men. We used to hide together in caves. When Saul was chasing you, I was protecting you. And he sent me to the front lines. And then when David found that out, he immediately called for Joab, his general in the army. Call, call Uriah. Call Uriah to come home immediately. His wife needs him. So Uriah comes back from battle, and then David says, well done, how's the things going in the front line? No, they are going good. Oh, I think you need to go home, you know. I think you need to just enjoy yourself with your wife. Do it. Do it tonight, if you can, please. <laughs> and what did Uriah say? Dave, don't you remember our pact when we used to run in the wilderness? We used to agree that when everyone is at war, no one has pleasure. Everyone goes to war, we fight together, and then we party together. That's how it works. <laughs> and David was like, I man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember, it's fine. It's fine. So Uriah said, I'm not even going home. I'm going to be at your gate. The guys are at battle. How can I be in the, in the courts of the king, reclining and eating grapes? While my guys are in the front lines of battle. I shouldn't even be here, Dave. But anyway, I'll be at the gate. <laughs> so Uriah sleeps at the gate. And the next morning, the whole night, David has been having nightmares. You know? <laughs> and the next morning, he calls Uriah, before you go, give this to Joab. Joab is general of the army. Give this to Joab. It's a letter of recommendation and just some encouragement, prophetic words and psalms for you guys to sing. <laughs> for you guys to sing there in the front lines. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> so he gives it to Uriah. Uriah takes his own death sentence to Joab. And he says, David sends his regards here. And Joab opens the letter and the letter said, put Uriah in the front. And that's not enough. When the fighting gets hectic, withdraw from him. David is strategic. <laughs> well, that, that Bathsheba, that later on her husband is killed by David. David then brings in that woman. And out of that comes Solomon. And Solomon then becomes also a, 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 a forefather to David. To David. To Jesus. I was testing you. Okay, we need to rush. Okay, give us the next slide. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. How? Blood relationship. He's got the necessary means. He's willing to redeem and he's willing to marry us. Give us the next slide. Blood relationship, Galatians 4, verse 4 to 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Why? If you're going to redeem, you have to be family. Jesus could not redeem as the word of God in heaven. He had to become a man to redeem. He had to become a man to represent. Okay? Born of a woman, born under the law. Very key. He 
He was born under the law to redeem the Jewish people first. Okay? Because the covenant was with Israel. And then to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Give us the next slide there. Hebrews 2, also blood relation. Clearly, it is not angels that Jesus helps. He helps the people who are from Abraham. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like us, his brothers and sisters, in every way. It's speaking about the high priest. Okay? He became like people so that he could be their merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Then he could bring forgiveness for the people's sins. Give us the next slide. So there's blood relations. So tell the person next to you, you are related to Jesus. If you are born again. Okay, the necessary resources. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, you were bought with a price. You were actually purchased or redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify God with your body. Imagine. Imagine after Boaz has done all this redemption stuff. Ruth goes in and plays, plays, plays on him. And that is what many believers do. Amen. Give us the next slide. Necessary resources for you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched, abundantly supplied. Okay, and his willingness to redeem John 10. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. So Jesus was, on, he was not killed. This charge I have received from my Father. He laid his life down. If he didn't lay his life down, there would be no soldier that would be able to subdue him. Imagine that. It wasn't a trick to get him, and now they caught him. Oh, let him go, let him go, he can't let go. Oh, the Bible says that he went like a sheep to the slaughter. He said nothing. In fact, he prayed for his, his oppressors while he was on the cross. This is what Jesus was willing to do for you. Boaz didn't have to shed blood for Ruth. But Jesus shed his precious blood to show you how willing he was to redeem you. And then... Willingness to marry. Okay? 2 Corinthians 11, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ Jesus. This is speaking to the church. Okay? And then Ephesians. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Washed by the cleansing of God's word, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or without other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. This is who God has made you to be. We don't have time to even go in here. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery but an illustration of the way Christ and the church so this is the conclusion. I am lost, I'm shamed, and I am sold 
I'm a slave. Jesus took my shame and my sin. He paid with his own life. And now I am glorious and I am free. I am honored. The Bible says that when, when, we, when he died, we died with him. But when he rose, we rose with him. When he ascended, we ascended with him. And when he sat down, we sat down together with him. Even heavenly places. Imagine where he took me from. The Bible says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because he was hung on a tree. And that redemption was brought into my life today. Give us the last slide there. In him, we have redemption. Not we shall have. The only thing that will still be redeemed is our physical body. But in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance. You have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But this morning you might be here and you come from a place of shame. You have done certain things that you feel they disqualify me from even being in church. They disqualify me from being used by God. These things that I have done, even while I was a Christian now, the mess that I've made of it. And you feel in your heart that that shame cannot be erased. That God cannot make something good out of this ugly thing. But I'm here to tell somebody this morning. That the God that we serve is a God of love and a God that redeems. He not only gives you a, co a covering. He makes all things new. He makes all things beautiful in its time. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ died for the whole world. There are many running around for salvation. There are many running around for redemption and healing and deliverance and all of that. I'm telling you, no need to run around anymore. Because you've come to the feet of your Redeemer. And He is more than willing to redeem you. He is more than willing to save you from the beginning through to the end. And for many of you, the Redeemer has already paid the price. He's already laid his life down. He shed his blood for you. And yet you are carrying shame and guilt and condemnation and reproach and rejection. And this morning, the Spirit of the Lord is stirring in you a place where you can come to rest. The prophet said, let us reason together. Though your sins are dark as scarlet. Though your sins are black as scarlet, red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They shall be white as snow. Let us stand. This morning I want to pray for you. If you are here and you are carrying that kind of shame, you might call it regret. But you replay that regret thing every day, every week. And it's sometimes the basis why you actually do things for God. It's based on guilt. It's based on shame. I feel like I owe Him. If that's you this morning, 
The Lord wants to set you free from that. Amen? So if that's you, just raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Remember, Ruth had to come to the Redeemer. Something that you begin to partake of. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God, that your spirit is here this morning, Lord God. The spirit of of the Redeemer is here. And Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we take hold of every guilt, every shame, every rejection, every curse that has come upon your people, Lord, because of the lies of the enemy and the deception of the darkness. This morning, we remove their reproach in the name of Jesus. We declare them free in the name of Jesus. We declare them forgiven in the name of Jesus. We declare them pure in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare, Lord God, that on that cross, you said it is finished. You shed your blood, O God, so that we can be bold before God. So that we can be married to Jesus in a relationship without shame. And this morning, Father, we release that grace over everyone that's raising their hands. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you are here this morning, you are not born again. You have not yet given your heart to Christ. Or if you, you have backslided, you, you don't feel like a Christian. This morning, the Spirit of God is calling you back home. This morning, there's salvation in the arms of the Redeemer. If that's you, we want to pray for you. So if that's you, just raise your hand. And we're going to pray for you. I see that hand. Raise it nice and high so that I can can see it. You are here this morning. You want to be saved. I see that hand as well. You want to be saved. You, You didn't come to church to mess around. You came to Jesus. And you are here this morning and saying enough is enough. I'm coming to Christ. I'm coming to Christ. He's already paid the price. I might as well enjoy. I might as well partake. So if you raise your hand. Just come forward, come to Jesus as a step of faith. Make your declaration, come to Jesus. Don't worry about who's looking. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come. Come to Jesus, come. Come to Jesus, come. If you raise your hand, come. Encourage them. Come to Jesus. Don't let that devil lie to you, hold you back. Come. There's a lady, you raise your hand here, come. Come forward. Yes, come. These are the people of God, they love you. Amen. Come. Come, come. Amen. Hold your hands like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you. I know I don't deserve it. But I've heard your voice. Today, today I receive forgiveness. And I receive a new life. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you died in my place. And I believe 
that you are alive today. And I believe that you are my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Wash me. Cleanse me. Thank you for making me new. From today, I live the life of a believer. I live the life of eternity. And I receive your favor today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray, Lord, for everyone that prayed this prayer, Lord. I declare the miracle of salvation over them in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that their hearts will, will begin to desire, Lord God, to know you like never before. Father, thank you, Lord, that every chain in their life be broken now in Jesus' name. Father, we, 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 we divide them, we separate them from the world and from darkness, Lord. And they are now brought into eternal light, Lord, into the fellowship of the believers, into the people of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that all the shame is being washed away and that this morning they are receiving eternal life. We bless them this morning and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's somebody behind you who will walk a road with you. Walk with Jesus. Amen.